Amen. God bless you. You may be seated if you would. Happy Father's Day, everyone. I enjoy Father's Day. And I just enjoy being in God's house as well. And it's, it's a different time that we live in right now. It's, it's a little, little interesting. But I have good news that your Heavenly Father is still on the throne. He still knows what's going on. He still knows how everything is going to end. And it's going to be all right. So... I know that, you know, I, I love, I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about Father's Day, but, but mostly we're staying on this, on this theme of regaining the voice of the church. And I want to talk to you today about the voice of proclamation and, and speaking as an oracle of God. Now, there's, there have been people throughout uh, time that have grasped that understanding and, and you know them in your own life. I know uh, one of my daughters, I won't mention who it is, but one of them was talking to some friends, and they were talking about how, how to get something accomplished. And they were talking about everything. So she called me and said, Dad, how would you do this? And I told her, this is how I would do it. And so her friends continued to talk and say, well, I think we could do this or we could do that. And she said, why are we talking? My dad already told me how to do it. That's the kind of stuff I like. So. But, you know, if you look around in our culture today, if you look around in our culture, there are many voices. And all of them are clamoring for attention. They all want to be heard. And yet, they're looking for answers and solutions to problems that we have. And they're looking, and, and some of the problems are actually legitimate concerns that each and every one of us have. The problem is the voices are telling us that we can find that we can find the solutions in government or through legislation, but the reality is you'll never find the problems that we're facing in this country through Washington, D.C., or through our, our state government. If you really want to find the solutions, we have to turn back to God and help and, and look to God and allow God to fix our nation. No one else is going to be able to make a difference. And throughout time, you know, you look at people like Billy Graham or Martin Luther King uh, or uh, Nathan that spoke to King David or Stephen that, that spoke to the crowd. These men had commanding voices. And if you look at people like, like uh, Billy Graham, if you look at him, he wasn't a, a phenomenal theologian. He really wasn't that great of a statesman. He wasn't that good of an orator. But there was something about him that when he spoke, people listened. And you say, what was it? What was that, that invisible characteristic that, that, that people like Billy Graham had or, or Nathan that looked at King David and said, David, you're the man. And that brought kings to their knees. 
Who is it and what is it that, that, that makes these men and, and women in, throughout time that, that people be, will stop and listen? I believe it's because they have had an encounter with God. That, that they're speaking as the voice of God. See, we have a lot of theologians in the church today and they're talking about their personal theology or what we think about this or what we think about that or, or which Bible version what we need to, to follow or prescribe to or, or uh, and they'll talk about their own doctrine, they'll talk about prosperity, they'll talk about better living, they'll do all of these things. All you have to do is just watch them on TV or, or you turn on the radio and you'll hear all of these competing voices within the church and and men and women that are much smarter than, than I, and then they're out there speaking, but no one is listening because none of them are speaking as the oracle of God. If we really want to make a change in our culture, in our society, we need men and women that are willing to do what it takes to speak and say, thus saith the Lord. Not what I think, not what you think, but this is what God says. So if you really want to change things, if you really want to change our culture, I, I believe that we probably need to start with, with uh, our, our family structure and having dads be real dads and stand up and be counted for and be in the home raising children and teaching them right from wrong. To be as Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not a popular voice, and that's not one that, that our country wants to hear, but it's truth, and it's from the Word of God. If you really want to change a culture, then you, that you make sure that the family structure is secure. When families rise, nations rise. When families follow God, nations follow God. When husbands and when fathers bow their knee and teach their children how to pray, then their children will follow God. I'm going to get to my notes in a minute. I just think it's time that in, in our culture and in our time that, that God's people need to rise up and not speak and say, well, this is what I think what the Scripture says, or, or I think that this is what this person over here is saying, or what that person over there believes. But we need to have an experience and an encounter with God that when we get off of our knees in prayer, that we have heard from the living God, and that living God has spoken into our life, and we can proclaim His Word with passion and conviction. That is what made Billy Graham. That's what made Martin Luther King. That's what made Nathan. That's what made Stephen. That's what made all men and women that, that were truly counted. They had an encounter with God, and it turned their life upside down. So I want to talk to you today about about somebody in Scripture, about, about the voice. And I'm going to be reading out of Isaiah chapter 6. So if you want to turn there or if you want to turn on your, your electronic Bibles, I love that. And uh, I think they need to put a beeper on them so when you find that place, then all of them quit beeping. That way I would know how to, when to start. 
So we're, here we are in Isaiah. Now Isaiah, from all we know, is a very intellectual. He is sophisticated. He lives in the capital city of Jerusalem. Most people believe that uh, he was a cousin to King Uzziah. And he is a, he's a prophet. He is married a prophetess. And they have two sons. And, and they're, they're living, and he's already started his ministry. And in chapters 1 through 5, it talks about some of the things in his ministry. But then it, it gets down to what the Scripture talks about. And let's, let's begin with verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, King Uzziah, he ministered and served for 52 years as king. The last few years, uh, he was only king in, in name only. His son, Jotham, over the last four years, ruled in his stead unofficially. Because Uzziah had lived a great life, and he had done great things, and he had, and he had torn down idols in, in, the, in, in, uh, in the country, and, they, and, they, and he was trying to move people toward God, and he had built up Judah, and they had done well. But toward the end of his life, pride set in, and he decided that he was going to go and offer incense to God in the temple. He was trying to do something that only a priest could do, and, and, and a king was not allowed to do, but he wanted to, to take over or usurp the authority uh, of the priest and the priesthood. And when he walked in, God struck him with leprosy. So the last few years of his life, he had to be removed from society, and his son was reigning in his stead. And so here we are, and, and Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, around 740 B.C., he said, here I am, and, and, and the king is getting ready to pass away. Jotham, his son, is now 26 years old, and, and he is trying, he's going to be the, the king, the heir apparent, and, and he doesn't know which way he is going to go. Is he going to go the way of his father and lead the nation toward God, or is he going to turn toward his grandfather and do that which was evil? He, does, he doesn't really know, so he's making his way to the temple of God. And he walks in, and he walks in the outer court, and, and uh, Solomon had put up two pillars, uh, Boaz and Jokin, and, uh, Jachin, and rather, and it says, God will strengthen and God will establish. And they were there to remind people that God was the one that secured all things. And, and he makes his way to the outer court, but before he can get into the inner court, because it was the inner court, and it was the, the holy place, and then the holiest of holies, and, and before he could get in there, he saw the Lord. Now, Scripture says that no one has seen the Lord. So how did he seem? He catches a glimpse. And here is, this, here is this prophet that is considered by many, by most, as the, as the most profound in the Old Testament. The one that almost mentions the name of Jesus. In Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a, a son is born, unto us a, chi a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince 
of peace. In Isaiah 55, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, he knew something that was going to, to happen, and he saw in this time, he said he saw the Lord, and he didn't just see the Lord. He didn't just see him uh, just walking around. He didn't see him on a cross. He didn't see him in a tomb. He didn't see him sitting just in a chair. He said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and exalted, and he was seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, the train of your robe, that just simply reminded everybody how much grander he had. And, and the longer the train, the more grander he had. And he said his train was so long that it didn't just go past the throne. It filled the whole house. He looked at, at God. He saw the exalted Christ. And he said his train filled the temple. Man, you've got to, you've got to catch what, this imagery of what, what Isaiah is seeing. And he says above him were seraphim. Now, seraphim were considered the highest of all the angels. And, and he said each of them had six wings. With two wings, they were covered their faces. And two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were above the throne. And they were there just to serve God. And, and, they, and they, they were calling to one another. And they were saying, holy Holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine seeing this? Can you imagine seeing angels? Can you imagine seeing these seraphim? And, and they're in the very presence of God. And God is sitting on the throne. And his glory fills the temple. And you have angelic beings crying out, holy, holy, holy. What, what Isaiah is trying to describe to us is that he saw the Lord in his glory. He saw his holiness. Look at this. And the sound of their voices the doorposts and the threshold shook the temple. And the temple was filled with smoke. Smoke from the altar of incense, which represents praise. That whole place was full of praise and adoration and exalting God because they saw him as he really is. Not, not as anything else, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords. They saw, he saw him in his splendor. He saw him in his glory. He was surrounded with the holiness of God. If you really want to be an oracle of God. I believe that we need to have an encounter with Christ. I believe that, that we need to be like Isaiah. We need to get to that place where, where we see Christ not just on a cross or, or not just risen from the grave, but we see him as he is, as holy, as righteous, as the judge of all the earth, as the ruler and reigner of, of everything. We need to see Christ in his glory. And when we do, when we see him, for as the angels see him, our response is going to be the same as Isaiah's. Isaiah said, woe is me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. He looked at and he saw Christ in his glory and his holiness. And his response, his response was, I see my sin. I'm an unholy. You know, to be honest, if you, when you really see Christ, when you really encounter God in your life, 
one, the very first thing that you will experience, you will understand how unholy you really are when you walk into a, to a place where the holiness of God is. You ever, you ever uh, painted one wall in, your, in a house and it's all nice and bright and shiny and then you look around at the rest of the walls that you thought were okay and then you realize, oh, I need to paint those too. Because when you get the comparison there, that's when you see it. See, when, we, when we are in the presence of God, when we are we were in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of God, something happens in us as His holiness is, is, is brought to us. And, and as we experience the holiness of God, the, the character of man is identified in us. That, we call it the, the corrective influence of the sanctuary of God. How many times have you gone into a church service and you begin to worship and praise in song, then all of a sudden something happens and, and you remember that, that that attitude that you had was kind of wrong? And, or you remember, you know, I think I need to go apologize to that person. You say, but what's going on in, in my life? Why is this happening now? It's because when you're in the light of holiness, it begins to shine in your life. And when God's holiness begins to shine in your life, it reveals how we really are. I believe today that, that he was struck by his impurity and, 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 and not just his humanity, but his impurity. And, and he saw true holiness compared to who he was. And he said, I'm, I'm done for. I'm I'm finished. I'm a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, sin is exposed when we, when we encounter God. And, and here's, here's the, this is my belief, and it, you, can, you don't have to believe it. You can be wrong. I, I, and I, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of this myself. And I think all of us have been at some point in our life. That we want to serve God, but we want to stay in the outer court. Because in the outer court, we don't have to experience the holiness of God. In the outer court, we understand the theology, we understand the doctrine, and we can offer sacrifices. But when you get into the inner court, when you get into the holy place, and you begin to offer praise, and you begin to get close to the presence of God, that's when your life changes. That's when things that are in your life are manifest, and you have to deal with them. So it's just a lot easier to serve God from afar. It's, it's a lot easier to serve God on the outer in the outer court. But if you really want to be the oracle of God, if you really want to speak the voice of the Lord, if you want to be that voice that people hear Christ in you, you can't sit on the outside. You can't just have a doctrine and a theology. You must have a personal encounter and experience with God. And that personal encounter and experience will cost you. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The closer I get to God, the more I realize how sinful I really am. Because the closer you get to His holiness, the more you realize that you are unholy. 
And the only good in you is Christ. I believe that we need to be concerned. I know, I, I, I like what he said. He says, I'm living among a people of unclean lips as well. He not only was worried about himself, he was concerned with those around him. I love that, that when he encountered God, he encountered his holiness, when he saw him in his splendor and majesty and glory, his response was, I need to repent. And he began to confess. That's an amazing thing, confession, isn't it? I, I, I think it's incredible that, that people that commit crimes, they, they end up confessing. And it's just a relief that they are able to tell someone else what they have done. And, and there's something about when you get into the presence of God, when you acknowledge to Him, Lord, I, I am a person of unclean lips. I, I, I am a person that doesn't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve any of the greatness and the glory that, that I am seeing right now. I, I, I am not worthy to be in this place. When you, when you encounter God, when you walk past the outer courts and you get into the very presence of God and you, and you have that overwhelming sense that there's things in your life that need to change and you begin to confess them, then, then God's response is this. And it's really amazing. He said, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which had taken from the tongs from the altar and with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When, when we get into the presence of God and when we understand the things in our life that need to change, instead of just staying in the outer court, if we begin to confess them to God and say, God, I, this is where I'm at. I have this in my life and I have this in my life and, and your light is revealing this to me and, and, and I know that I am a person of unclean lips. I know that I'm a person that does not deserve to be where I'm at right now when you begin to confess and you say, God, I am not worthy. He is the one that pardons. He's the one that forgives sins. He is the one that takes the coal from the altar and touches us and makes us clean. Am I the only one in here? It's important that God, we need to understand that God responds to true confession. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of some unrighteousness. Three-fourths of your unrighteousness. No, the Scripture says if you, are, if you confess that He is faithful and just and will cleanse you of all 
unrighteousness. You say, well, you don't know what my unrighteousness is. And I don't need to know because I know what mine is. And, and I know that it doesn't matter what I have done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've thought. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. It doesn't matter the, the levels of sin that you have in your life. When you get in the presence of God, if you will confess them to Him, He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here's the key. You have to get in the presence of God. If you're wanting to hang on to those things, should I say this? I'm not saying it's, it's somebody that's watching online. It's nobody here. Okay? Sorry, guys online. If you're wanting to hang on to something in your life, you will avoid the presence of God. You will have a limited measure of God. You'll stay in the outer court. I mentioned it last week, and, and uh, I think Nancy put it on, on Facebook this morning, her dad's favorite uh, verse, Psalm 107, 23 and 24. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in deep waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. You know, if you, really, if you really want to get rid of something, if you really want to go out into the deep, you have to launch out into the deep. You can't stay on the shore. I mean, I was trying to clean weeds out of the lake yesterday, and, and the more I looked, I had my rubber boots on. I looked like Forrest Gump. In fact, they sent me a picture of me like Forrest Gump out there. But I, I would weed and look for alligators. You know, and there's some people, I've seen them out there just, just waiting out there, swimming. It's like, not me. I'm not going out there. There's alligators out there. I've never seen one, but I, I've heard about them. <laughs> but if I really want to get all those weeds, I'm going to have to get out there. And if I really want to have an encounter with God, I have to get into His presence. I just can't stay on the outside. I just can't feel a little bit of his presence and think, oh, okay, I'm good. Then when the Holy Spirit begins to when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and I just pretend like I don't hear it. If you want to be the voice of God, if you want to be the oracle of the Lord. It requires us getting into his presence, launching into the deep, getting in over our head, and allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to have full effect in our lives and shine that light in us. And, and the things that, that are brought to our attention, we confess them and allow God to pardon us and cleanse us and take them away. See, God's response is always forgiveness. God's response is always, God always cleanses our speech and by cleansing our soul. Scripture goes on to say, I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. So after, after he's been cleansed, after he's been pardoned, after he's confessed and the Lord has, has cleansed him and cleansed his lips, he said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, then, then I heard. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he said, Then I said, Here am I. Send me.
Here's perhaps the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Speaking of the transformational encounter he had with God that took him from a theologian to speaking as the voice of God. In our world today, and dads, I want to speak to you for a moment. If you want to really be that difference, if you want to make that difference, if you want to be that transformational person in your children's lives, you need to get into the presence of God. If we, as a church, as the body of Christ, want to have the voice of the church heard, let the the angels proclaim and have the voice of God We must get into His presence and allow confession to occur and allow Him to pardon us and heal us and then send us where He wants us to go. I think it's time that the church takes a stand in our our country today. Amen? Would you stand with me? Here on this Father's Day, 2020. I don't even like to even say 2020 anymore. This has been a rough year, hasn't it? It's been challenging. But the year 740 was rough. It was challenging. There were voices vying for attention, all wanting to be heard, all wanting that new king's ear. They wanted their their philosophy to be implemented. They wanted their plans to be in place. Everybody was clamoring, and, and Isaiah said, I want my voice to be heard, and his voice was heard. He actually not only served through King Uzziah, but he served Jotham and two other kings. He went through four kings as the prophet. And it all became at this one moment in 740 B.C. when he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And I entered into the presence of God and allowed Him to heal me, to pardon me, to touch my lips. And from that point on, He became the oracle of God. I wonder today, as God's people, Dads, I wonder today if we could make that proclamation. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I'm going to find that closet of prayer. I'm going to find that place to pray. I'm going to find that, that, that spot of dedication in my life. And, and I am going to pray and I am going to, to seek God until I have that encounter with Him that I see Him in His glory and majesty. And when I see Him in His glory and I see Him in His majesty and I and I am in the presence of His holiness, and He begins to reveal to me the things that are wrong in my life, that I will just confess them and allow Him to touch me and to heal me and to cleanse me and then to anoint me that I may be the voice of God in the world, the voice of peace, the voice of encouragement, the voice of hope, the voice of life. 
waiting on God. God's waiting on us. In this year of voices clamoring for attention, I wonder if today on Father's Day we could say, today is the day that I want God to touch me, to anoint me, to bless me. And not my words, not my thoughts, not my ways, not how I think it should be, but I want to go where He wants me to go, and I want to speak what He wants me to speak, and I want to do what He wants me to do. Today is our day. Today, not tomorrow. We may have a meteor or something tomorrow. The way this, we don't know. But I do know this, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to confess to Him that you need a Lord and Savior. If you know Him and you've been walking through with Him, but, but perhaps you've had that encounter, but you have forgotten. You know, maybe you're sitting in the outer courts, just kind of walk, following Him from a distance. Can I encourage you today to walk into the throne of grace? Where the, where the Bible says that we can walk freely into the throne of grace with our petitions, can you walk into His presence and begin that encounter with God that will transform you and turn our world right side up? God is calling His people to be His voice in this world. Let's be that voice.